you're listening to the Enneagram and Marriage Podcast. I'm your host, Krista Harden, and I'm so glad you showed up for our relationship chat today, as well as for you and your people. We're all about living intentionally here so you can experience joy and balance in your relationships once again or for the very first time. Be sure you hang with us on our social media platforms. And if you like research like I do, make sure you check out our website at enneagramandmarriage.com for our weekly newsletter, freebies, and so much more, as well as at Instagram and Facebook. We have so many goodies to share with you. Let's dive right in together. Hey, you guys, and I hope you're having a great start to your week or whenever you're listening. Today, we're so grateful and excited that we get to talk to Nellie Hardin. She's an author. She's a family life expert, and she is an amazing mama of four girls. Guys, she's dealing with all the hormones. She's been there, done that from the littles to the bigs, and she's here to teach us about the two phases of parenting and walk us to the next. So I am grateful because we know it really never ends, as my sister said when she came on this show, and I am so glad for somebody to just walk alongside me and give me tips that I don't always see. Um, And also, Nellie is not related to me that I know of, although the Hardens are a very large clan. This is entirely possible. Um, We talked about that a little bit afterwards. Um, But definitely really excited for you to tune in with me. As you probably know, if you've heard this podcast for any amount of time, I am right in the throes of it with teens. Some of you are too. And I love how Nellie can walk us from the littles, like I said, to the bigs, um, because I know where my kids are right now is Melody's trying to decide what kind of uh, future she wants with college and all these standardized tests. And um, sometimes I feel a little bit inadequate in the way that she's kind of way past me on some of her tests. So I'm like, Melody, like, this is territory I've never encountered. And I want to know what kind of advice I can still give you. And it's been neat for her to wrestle with that. And it's been perfect for our This Is Us era um, because we're just about done with that. And Melody's just like, okay, mom, like, yes, I do want your advice still, but I don't want it to be too preachy. Um, and I really need you to be a good listener. And so we're we're really working that out. And, and I'm stopping gingerly because I realize like you sometimes can lose your kids if you don't learn to nuance what the real need is in that season. And, and so I was like, Mel, are you kind of done with that advice? Because of course, I'll still need to tell you about like dishes and stuff like that, that like are your chores for that day if you want to earn this money. But um, she generally knows that we don't even have to have those conversations. It's more now like when she wants to vent, when she wants to talk, like, you know, Nellie is going to help us with this too, but there's just this new pieces that are in my life now of having um, children in phases where they really might not even want to tell me these things. So I'm like, I love that you tell me what's the best way I can respond. Because when those hormones hit, you can, you can feel it like, okay, my kid didn't like what I said and why. And so if you're learning like me to read people in situations, then you are really trying to pick up on that. And I hope you're doing that. And Nellie will even feed us more about that. Um, And then with my other, you know, she's right in the liminal space of just transitions. And so she's like, mom, I'm in that liminal space. What am I going to do? Can you pray for me? And so that's really where she's at is she's like, please be praying. Please be thinking of me. Please help me to have the right answers because she's a past thinking for, and she's got to walk ahead. And so I keep walking with her and saying, pace yourself. You don't have to run like your dad and I did. Um, and she's been appreciating that. Um, and we're just trying to figure out where she heads next. Because as some of you know, both of these girls were dynamic and wanted to like do all these college credits for and still happening with Melody. And I'm like, Melody, you're a sophomore in college, but you're only a junior in high school. Um, And like, 
Hannah, you're a junior in college, but you're really only a freshman and you're in this weird spot of like having to go to the next steps because you're a little far ahead. And so we're learning like just being with God in those spaces and maybe taking it slower for Hannah. And we can already sort of see Melody rising maybe past her and and yet them both each espousing their own gifts. And I'm sure your kids are the same way. And to be able to be that parent support, like you're both valued, loved, and what do you each need? Like Hannah needed me to write her a poem yesterday and she just could cry for a second um, and literally a second, you know, and just be like, mom, you know, and then Jack needs totally different things because he's in the middle school New Year's. And so he's very strong-willed so far as what I'm seeing, very intelligent and just needs me to give him choices sometimes when he feels boxed in. And this is a male developing too and those hormones. So um, we get to talk some about that today in terms of, I try to ask really important and hard questions. And I feel like that's what I needed from Nelly personally. And I hope that benefited you because I really want to know. I ask about dads too. Like, what do you feel the role is for dads? And listener and friend here, you have your own ideas that you can throw into and always feel free to respond as well. Um, now, I will share that if you're just thinking about spending more time within the Enneagram and Marriage community, I'm so grateful that on February 15th, we have the master class coming up for those who want a really deep dive into Enneagram and Marriage techniques, as well as the chance, if you would like to take it for coaching, to get coaching certification. So make sure you check the show notes for that. That is a live time where we venture into the Enneagram from beginning all the way through how to care for yourselves in your marriage and others uh, with lots of 350 pages of material, plus you get two of my books, plus you get that coupon for $500 off when you use the code MASTERCLASS, plus we offer a no interest payment plan. So make sure you check it out in the show notes and don't miss if you want that. And we do revolve it all year, but right now is the lifetime and I'm excited about that. So um, I hope you can join as we continue to learn together. Um, make sure you get everything from Nellie out of the show notes too. Let's talk to her right now. Thank you so much for joining our audience today to talk about such an important topic. Welcome. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Oh, this has been a long time coming. And thank you for your patience, everyone, as we have not talked about this topic in a long time. Girls, you are the expert on girls. Nellie, tell us about yourself and a little bit about your family. We always love Enneagram Convo too, if you have any. Oh, yeah. So, um, so uh, I am a mom of four daughters myself. And so um, I, you know, I've been married to my husband for uh, over a couple of decades now. And I myself was obviously a young woman growing up. And when I left home, I wasn't really um, quite prepared for the world, although, you know, I wouldn't have told you that back then. And it led down some crazy paths. And then, you know, fast forward 10 years, and I had four daughters in four years. Mm -hmm. And, you know, just looking at them and knowing my past and my own healing journey that I was on, and I just really harnessed and realized I have a very unique, you know, time frame of what I call the 6570. That's how many days are in 18 years. So 6570. That's it. And so I was just really looking at them when they were, you know, four my middle two are twins. So they were four, two, two, and newborn. Mm -hmm. And um I'm like, I have such 
an important job to do in this 6570 in order to get them to a point that they're equipped to go out into the world and do what they're uniquely created to do. And in order to do that, we have to set up a foundation, like a good, strong foundation for them that is made up of the same things, but uniquely different to each one of them. And so it's just been a journey that I've been on. My background is in biology and psychology, and uh, I worked in the animal field for a long time, and then I retired from that. And four years after that, uh, five years after that, I broke into the much more messy, you know, human uh, aspect of the work. And I've been yeah. working in family dynamics and disciplines, uh, leadership, et cetera, faith ever since. And so, um, yeah, that's a little bit about me and and a snapshot of my family. <laughs> yes. And how did you meet your hubby and what types are you if you know your types? Yes. So my husband and I met um, second semester, our freshman year of college at Indiana University. Go Hoosiers. And (laughs) so uh, but we I mean, we were we were babies. You know, I was 18. He was 19. And we met um, and we were together all through college, uh, got engaged the month after we graduated and married a year later. So um, and it's so interesting going back and retroactively looking at things because I did not have the skill set, knowledge, you know, know how back then, obviously at 18 that I, you know, have gathered at 45. And so yeah. <laughs> looking back though, I'm like, oh, I see, I see these needs. So I myself am a, like a two wing one. And so it's, mm-hmm. it's very interesting, but looking, I was actually doing uh, some research before we got on and I had, mm-hmm. uh, we redid, you know, some things relooked at it because it had been just a little while. We use this in our family. We use Enneagram in our family to get to know different personalities, how I can approach you and you can actually hear what I'm saying, right? Make sure I'm anything you say is teaching, anything you're taking in is learning, right? So I want to make sure that I am teaching in a way that my kids can learn from me. And I feel like the Enneagram has a great... explanation and uh, description, understanding that can come from that when you're looking into these things. But in my marriage, it's obviously, or it's obvious that communication is essential in marriage and understanding what does he need having him understand what do I really need and those core, you know, needs, um, you know, worthiness, all of those are so important. So again, we can hear and and learn from one another. So yeah, I'm a two, my husband, my husband is weird. I'm a, <laughs> and uh, so my husband is, uh, he's technically an eight, but really, if you look at it, because, you know, we've, we've, um, I've done, reading research, but then also taking some of the tests, uh, for him and, and myself as well, but eight, one, and three are all pretty much equal for him. Mm. And I find that just very interesting, you know, uh, for him Uh, and then two, uh, two. So, um, I like to take the top four and just kind of massage those and understand those right a little bit more. So he's like an eight, one, three, two, right. And me, if you look at mine, I am a two, one, three, four. And so it's just interesting. I'm like, yeah, (laughs) you know, you read it and you're like, you guys together. And a lot of those, three of those, and only 
really on your four and his eight. Yes. And so you have your opposites attract right there. <laughs> yep. Yep. Exactly. And so, yeah, it's just, uh, it's interesting. And, and the work that I do completely, you know, plays into a four, the work that he do completely mm. plays into an eight and the roles in our family, yeah. et cetera. So yeah, I, I find them fascinating. Yeah, I love that. And I love that some people here I know are just nodding with you about learning some of your top types versus just isolating the one. We talk a lot about that yeah. here and it's neat for you to just flesh that out and say, don't be afraid to use the things you're learning for your family. We don't have to fear that. Allow yourselves to really glean, to learn where you meet each other, where you might be different and also uh, hopefully shepherd your girls and the world in these different ways. So, oh, oh gosh. Absolutely. One of my daughters is a, is a blaring seven. Okay. And so trying to then, you know, my husband and I are not sevens. And so then, but understanding, you know, she is, she's not a seven. She is journey. Her name is journey and she is journey. (laughs) And, um, but understanding some of those things and what she's looking for, she's not just, you know, a wackadoodle 14 year old, these are some of the traits that she holds most dear and understanding that and being able to harness that into her greatest expression of her gifts and talents Mm. and not just trying to stifle. Mm. That's so cool that you guys are doing that as parents and that your kids respond, that you see these are rhythms and patterns that we can actually use to connect with her more, especially I love that as a fellow seven, just hearing that you're trying to connect because <laughs> we're not an easy type to connect with um, yeah. if you don't know us very, very, very well. So that makes <laughs> me so happy. Um, tell me a little bit about, I think we all can gather that having four daughters in four years would already make you want to become an expert, but like, what's just sort of was like a pain point where you're like, I have to get inside of this might not have even been with your own family, but just what gave you this heart for, uh, just all the work you're doing through family life and everywhere. Honestly, it was my own story. And so, you know, I, I mentioned earlier when I, so I graduated early from high school, moved seven hours away. I was only 17 years old and growing up, you know, my dad died when I was super young. I was only one and a half when he passed away and And mom remarried, my brother and sister, you know, came into the picture. And so it was in some respects, somewhat emotionally chaotic, you know, childhood, especially looking back. And there was a lot going on. And then my brother and sister were nine and 11 years younger than me. And so a lot of attention was on babies, babies, right? During my core developmental years. And so when I left home, I really didn't have a foundation of, worth and, you know, self-worth or self-esteem or self-confidence. And that's Mm -hmm. really what happens to so many times, especially with young women today that we are released out into the world, all great intentions by parents. you know, I am not, you know, pointing a finger at parents, but we are released out into the world with a hope and a prayer instead of launched out into the world equipped. And so that, that was my part of my story. And then I'm seven hours away from home. 
I'm being taken up by every influence around me. My roommate was a party girl. I was never a party girl, but my roommate's a party girl. And she's like, come, come, come. Right. And I was like, oh, I don't know anyone at this, you know, of these 35,000 people that I'm going to school with. So this one, I kind of know. So follow. And it just Mm -hmm. led down some really dark paths. And when you don't have a sense of worth, Mm -hmm. then you try to find it in the world anywhere you can find it. And I had no faith base at all. And so now I know as, as in, in the place I am now as a parent, as, uh, you know, uh, I'm a follower of Christ. And so for me, I'm like, Oh, worth comes inside out. It is not outside in. And I was trying to find it outside in. I was chasing it everywhere. So if this person said, if you come over here, we'll accept you. Sure. I'll go over there. If you achieve this, we'll accept you. Sure. I'll, I'll, you know, put everything, all my, you know, eggs in a basket to go there. If you do this, then we'll accept you. And so I was looking for it all in the world and it led down some, like I said, some of those dark paths. And so that has taken decades of healing to recover from even just those two months of when I, from the time I was dropped off, to coming home for Thanksgiving. Right. And so just that time it's taken decades of healing and self-compassion and understanding and ridding myself of guilt and shame, et cetera, et cetera, et cetera. So then, and my husband and I went through years of infertility, which mm-hmm. is an entirely different emotional roller coaster. And then we had four daughters in four years and another roller coaster, right? Mm-hmm. But look at in the midst of that, you know, those roller coaster emotions, I just saw, I was like, I want to equip them and, you know, not just them. They're my primary, of course, they're my daughters, but I want to get out and share this with as many people as possible after I had started developing it. It started with my own daughters. And then I started developing those frameworks and platforms Mm -hmm. out for more and more people. And we serve in the community and we're youth leaders. And um, so that's really my my core ambition behind this is to set up these platforms of worth esteem and confidence in these young women so they can launch into the world oh it's so good i'm so happy you're doing that and i actually was pleasantly surprised and i am sure everyone listening with me was when you have your own stake in the game when you remember your own memories of not having worth feelings even though we know you do through christ and otherwise um it's like, it's an even deeper drive. It's like, of course you're going to do anything for your kids. But when you've experienced something personally and been inside of it, there's a different kind of fire. It's your art. It's uh, something I recently read that James Baldwin said something to the effect of like, it will have to be spewed back up um, Mm -hmm. when you finally let your story out through art. So I just love that you're sharing it here with us. And this has become your passion and your girls have been able to be raised up in it and your community. Um, so that's beautiful that you have every level going of self-care and God's love. And then you have your one-to-one with your small family, and then you have your world care. Um, what do you feel like has been, Um, you know, something that you've been able to time and again, equip parents to remember about raising their daughters. And then I'm going to ask you some particulars about Mm -hmm. some of their feelings, but I guess we'll start with this big one. Like when you do see daughters with low self-esteem, what do you try to tell parents to do? I mean, there's really a a difference between first half of childhood parenting and second half of childhood parenting. So When I see this, especially, and honestly, second half of childhood parenting, 
is starting earlier and earlier. So, you know, uh, some people think, oh, they're 12 or they're 13. They're getting into that stage. That's not the case anymore. Now we're talking about nine. We're talking about eight. We're talking sometimes all the way down to six, Mm -hmm. which is mind boggling, but also completely understandable in the state of the world that we live in and the reach and the technology, et cetera, that we all know are at our fingertips all the time. Mm -hmm. And so one of the biggest things I try to help parents understand is we're raising people. We're not raising children, right? Mm -hmm. We don't want to raise a child because we don't want a bunch of 32 year old children running around, et cetera. We are raising people. And that is a humbling experience. And us as parents, I call parents architects. We are the first Mm -hmm. earthly builder of the beginning of their life, which is a huge humbling responsibility, right? And it does not call on you for perfection. And so as soon as I say that, a lot of people are like, Oh, the weight of the world is on me. No, no, no. Right. It is a humbling responsibility that does not call for perfection. In fact, if you try to bring perfection into it, it will not be good. And you will be uh, straying away from the architect role. And so we are planning, designing, and building the beginning of someone else's life. And we have a very unique and small, precious time period to do that. You will always be their parent. But this season is unique and different. And it's one of the reasons why I'm so grateful that I worked in the animal field before I worked in the human field, because it's very black and white nature. When I was, you know, working out in the field or even in captivity uh, work I was doing too, you know, you see this distinctive this is the time with mom or mom and dad, depending on the species, right? This is the time with their community, et cetera to learn how to survive and thrive, mm-hmm. right? They are bra- they're raising up, they are teaching, they are, you know, step one, step two, step three, step four, et cetera. Yeah. And then they are moving up and understanding this is how me, myself, I can trust myself. I can trust my instincts. I can have confidence out in the world and I can go and launch out into the world myself. And so I think that those are some of the very fundamentals that parents need to understand. I'm raising a human. I am their first architect. There's a difference between first half and second half of parenting. First half, I'm literally spoon feeding life, right? Yeah, this like is what you're wearing. Animals and <laughs> yeah, exactly. This is what you're wearing. This is what you're eating. This is what you're, you know, doing. This is who you love. This is your friend versus second half and that independence starts coming in and then you're building it with them and you're not building it for them anymore. And so, and then you're getting them to a point that they're launching out on their own. Um, so it's, there's some, yeah, fundamental understandings there. Mm, I love that. I love that you're just reminding us all that fundamentally the second half of parenting is starting earlier and Mm. we have to shift at that point. And it's not Mm. the same as raising animals. And so if we're trying to build up self-esteem in these moments, what would you say we want to do when we see that, you know, obviously by eight or nine girls are already, and, and some boys looking, I can definitely speak for my daughters and my son in that way that they're looking, how do I look? How do I appear? What's my conformity ratio? They don't say that, but that's what's happening. So how do you try to build up self-esteem in those years? So, well, first of all, worth has to be under esteem because esteem is held up by worth. Mm -hmm. 
and confidence is held up by esteem, which is held up by worth. Okay. So it's like a three tier cake. If you want to have a visual, I'm a very visual person. So if you want to have a visual that way. And so with worth, you're going, there's five pillars of worth, which I'll share in a minute that really are the underpinning of then having esteem because esteem, like you're talking about, right. Looking for that world, uh, worldly validation of who I am if we have these worth uh, pieces and pillars in place, then they can wake up in the morning and say, what can I do for the world today? How can I serve the world instead of how will the world define me? You know, how, what is the world going to say about me? Important of a distinction. Yes. And so, yeah. And so understanding these, these pillars of worth, which are to be seen and heard and loved and belong, truly belong somewhere and have a purpose going forward. If we can help those help our children fill those from the inside out, right? So not going out and saying, who sees me, who hears me, right? But walking into room and saying, I already know that I'm seen. Mm -hmm. I already know that I am heard. I, you know, my prayers are heard, uh, those that are closest to me, uh, my parents, they love me, they hear me, right? I am truly loved Mm. all of this. It really goes God self and then others world. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. And so walking into a room and and understanding, okay, this is, I, I know I am love seen, have a purpose, uh, you know, uh, heard what it was. (laughs) I did out of order (laughs) seen love, uh, seen heard love belong purpose, but I know I have that. And then I find it in myself. I trust myself. And then I can go out and use it in the world as well, because you, you and I both know out in the world, you never know when someone is going to disappoint you, but we do know it absolutely will happen. (laughs) It absolutely will happen. So having that strength from the inside out will stop you from that collapse of esteem that will happen in the world. If that is all that you have, you know, under you as your foundation. Mm. Um, So very simple things you can do with that worth. So um, let's just take herd, right? You want to have active listening, right? When they walk in a room and you ask them a question, try to avoid any question that can be answered with yes, no, or fine. (laughs) You want to actually ask a question that there will be an answer to. And if that means saying, what are two things that made you laugh today? Right. You can't say yes, no, or fine to that. There's an actual answer that's going to come in there and you can have a discussion. And the other piece to that is be vulnerable yourself. Tell them about what's going on with you. Ask them for ideas and maybe direction on things that are happening so that they know my ideas are worthy of being heard. Uh, some of them might be even used, right? They care about what I think and they are listening to me. So that can start even in the home and then be reflected out in the world. Mm, 
That's so awesome. I love hearing that everyone has this as a healthy script because I know it's so true to really be with them, to be present, to help them to know that they have this foundational space where they're asked questions of care, not just rushed around or not heard fully, but really have somebody who's leaning in for answers and for thoughtfulness to them. It gives them that like, this is what I can bring to the world, like you said, and not always expect from the world because I already have my worth with God, with myself and with the people that are closest to me, which were our, our listeners right now are these people hopefully trying to work with their kids in these ways. So thank you. Um, and those are great words that you've given us to build up our kids worth. Um, I think that, um, I was just doing a devotional with my kids yesterday. I do one every Monday morning and I was trying to get to that point, but I didn't have those keywords. So I was just trying to use my own framework to just say like, let's be humble leaders because we know the world mm -hmm. is going to take us away from what's good sometimes, but also let's come to, I love how you reminded, let's come to that foundation with Christ. So we're not just giving out of empty. Um, yeah. And if you're a humble leader who doesn't know your worth, then you're going to be masochistic in unhealthy ways. So thank you for that reminder. Um, now, when we are dealing with children's anger, um, help us to understand that piece. Cause you have four daughters, you have them at all these ages, you know, hormones are crazy. Uh, tell us a little <laughs> bit about how you deal with that when the anger rises up. Absolutely. Yeah. So my daughters just, so everyone, all the listeners know are 14, 16, 16, and 18. So we are in the thick, right? Yes, in the thick of it. <laughs> and when you have four daughters, you know, under one roof, there's always a fire going on either personally or within, uh, you know, uh, dynamics or, or outside, you know, with one of them with an outside party, there's always something going on. Um, so yeah, this is something that comes up on a daily basis. Yeah. And number one, I really always teach them that no resolution can come if you're frazzled, you have to be calm, right? Mm -hmm. You absolutely have to be calm. Mm -hmm. uh, when we talk about communication in our home and there can't be clarity and resolution without communication mm -hmm. and connection. And so we talk about, okay, number one, you have to be calm. All right. Mm -hmm. Number two, why don't you ask a question? Be curious. Yeah. Okay. You came into my room I, typical, right? You came into my room and took my sweater after I told you, do not come into my room and take my clothes, right? right. Like very typical day to day. And can you tell me why you did that after I asked you not to? Mm -hmm. And a typical answer is I forgot right now, whether that is true, I forgot, or it is my want was bigger than uh, me remembering that it equates to the same. And understanding their brains are very much under construction right now and their frontal lobes, which is, uh, right under the forehead. If you put your hand on your forehead, that is the zone of the brain that is cause and effect. It is, if, you know, if I do this, this will happen. It is critical thinking. All of that is massively under construction in the teen years. And a lot of parents just look at a teenager or a preteen and say, you're just a shorter adult, right? Or in some cases, not some kids that I teach are way taller than I am, but still you're just a quote unquote, small adult, but that is not the case at all. No. Brain function wise. Yeah. They almost look like a different species. If you put two brains together, that's why in you know, when, uh, 
um, old skulls are found or what have you, you can see, oh, this was an adolescent, right? And that's because the brains are different. If forensics, right? If finding things like that, the brains are very, very different. And to that point as well, girl brains and or male brains and female brains, very different as well. And so we have to take that into consideration that their brains are not like us as adults. So when we say, I don't understand why you don't remember this, I've told you so many times, you're right. You don't understand. And frankly, you can't because your brain is not in that state anymore. When you were somewhere around 24 or 25, your brain fully formed and theirs is not there yet. And so we have to have compassion and grace for this developing brain. And on top of that, be making positive connections and helping them develop critical thinking skills instead of just stunting them and saying, nope, you can't do this. You are bad. Giving them those identity uh, statements, right? Anything that you say as a parent, that is you are, will become an I am later on. And so- it's, it's just really important that we understand where their brains are right now, make sure they're calm. And the best way to explain this as an adult is when you and I, as adults, when we are frazzled, our frontal lobe shuts down and we start to work from the back of our brain, the more primitive part of our brain, the fight or flight amygdala area. And when we are, and you and I, you've been frazzled, I've been frazzled, right? And so that's where we're operating from. That is the continuous state that our kids are operating from most of the time on a normal level. And so understanding that, you know, we have to be calm. The calm is their best chance at being able to tap into that developing critical thinking area and then being curious, asking questions, having a back and forth conversation and producing clarity. So that is a, a, way to approach anger in the home. And if they are angry at you or angry at a sibling, they turn on you and they are being a, you know, belligerent, loud, what have you just stay calm because I promise you it will fade away faster if you're calm than if you give it back to them tenfold, (laughs) you know, which It's a, is a power move as parents that we try to have sometimes, and we feel deserving of that power, but that gets your child nowhere. Oh, yes. Oh my gosh. Thank you for just reminding us of that. Nellie, that's great. And I feel like, um, you're giving us the recipe too, because that was going to be my first question was, but they're not calm and they want to process. And you're saying, show the mirror neurons that Mm -hmm. you are able to be calm and keeping your voice in a neutral tone and in a loving tone um, versus shaming. And um, I thought of that the other day when my type four daughter did something I didn't love. um, And it was just one of those things, as you know, with parents of an 18 year old, and she's like, I need somebody to drive me to my lab, um, which is like far away at a beautiful place. But I'm like, oh, like she's like, because I didn't finish my homework. And my first thought was, you know, I remembered all the shaming unhealthily that I did of her when she was really little. And I was like, girl, give this girl some grace. She's in her first semester of college and she's trying to figure out what to do and how to get her schedule. She's also an Enneagram four. <laughs> so that's our slowest type. Yeah. Um, and so um, not, not in any way super intelligent, but it's just, it was like 
grace. And she was tentative and she was like, like, how are you going to be? How are you going to feel that your whole morning was shifted? And I was able to do a reframe because I remembered like, you don't deserve to be shamed. I make mistakes all the time. And so it was a really neat application of what you said to stay calm for both of us. Um, at some point I did have to kick her out of the car because she's like, well, my teacher says I can be there till up to 10 minutes late and we're going on five minutes late. And I'm like, get out of my car now. Like, <laughs> you're making me nervous. You have a three hour lab, you know, um, yeah. she's like, I did well, everything went great. And I'm so, so, so sorry. And that's the thing that we have to realize is, you know, when you have this nurturing team approach as a family, kids see that and they don't want to hurt you. They love you back. But if you're just shaming, I would imagine you can tell us if I'm wrong here, but that if you keep shaming that they're going to shame you back, that they're Mm -hmm. going to shame themselves more. Is that right? Absolutely. And the thing is, they are going to find some someone or something that is going to be accepting of them. And then that is when you are literally turning off your opportunity of influence and impact, and it's being turned on for something or someone that you don't even know. And so when we do that, we are shutting off our potential of positive impact on their world. Hmm. And that's not to say, like you're saying, sometimes they need a nudge and that's okay. It's a loving nudge. Like, okay. So, you know, one of the sayings in my house that I say all the time is discipline yourself. So others don't have to. Mm -hmm. And so we talk about that a lot. And as soon as you said that, I was like, okay, so she needs to discipline herself to get out of the car. She's not doing it. So you step in and I had to discipline, right? You're right. The brain wasn't functioning in that way. And I'm like, yes, to get there, like go, (laughs) but you're right. The brain isn't on. I hear that. That's so interesting. Yeah. Yeah. And it's just, uh, we having that understanding, you know, discipline yourself. So others don't have to, and discipline the word has gotten this remapping in the last, you know, 100 years or so that discipline means, you know, when I was a kid, I used to get the belt or the paddle. Right. And that is what I thought discipline was, but that is not at all what discipline is. That's a, that's a punishment or it can be a consequence of something. A punishment has a consequence, Mm -hmm. but it's not discipline. Discipline is a teaching and a mastery of a whatever fill in the blank in your life. Right. And, uh, back in the day when people would say they wouldn't say, your major, they would say, what's your discipline, right? Mm-hmm. That you're, that you're learning. And so discipline is teaching. And so discipline yourself. So others don't have to, that's mm-hmm. where we're moving. So, you know, first half of childhood, like we talked about earlier is all about physiological care, right? When they come home, they are completely helpless and we need to do everything. And then it's all about safety and security. Second half of childhood is when we develop into this worth, esteem, and confidence. But the pinnacle of that is really stepping into being a self-disciplined leader of your own life. Because there's nothing, nothing that you can do in this world if you are not at least a leader of your own life. Mm, I love that. And I love how you reminded us that it's not, we're not raising children that goes back mm-hmm. to that. You know, this is, we want competency. Oh, that's so good. And I did have to say to her afterwards, now let's 
map out what next week can look like now that you're really in this semester and you can see what's happening. And she was able to say, you know what, Thursdays I can do differently so that I can be prepared for my Fridays differently. And we tweaked it as a heart type like yourself. She had spent time with my son and I just enjoying us after school. And it was like, you know, this would be better spent at the library. We can all go together if you're a heart type. So yeah. I think that that's your saying. We don't have to just shame people, but as parents, we do want to help them to lift off to this next point of not just even just, oh, surrounding with like empathy, but also that lifting up of like, let's, hey, you don't have your frontal lobe fully formed yet. So right. let me help you. Now, you gave me an interesting, you know, I want to switch my question up a little because I wanted to ask about dads um, and their role. But I often wonder why dads are so much easier on girls, especially than moms, most of the time, not always, but you know, um, from my own husband to like, I was just literally with my daughters watching This Is Us, I'm in my This Is Us era with them. And um, Randall's like, oh my gosh, <laughs> yes, I'm like almost at the end, but Randall's like, you know, this is dad's, you know, Kevin's like, can I get the dad advice for girls? And he's like, you know, your dad's, you're always going to, everything's going to be like, you're going to give her whatever she wants, but mom will always know more. But like, mm -hmm. can we have dads do a little bit differently than that while not shaming, but also not just indulging everything? What are your thoughts about that? Yeah, I completely agree. I, I think it comes from two parts, just an endearing heart for their little girl, right? Yeah, I love that. Yes. And then also the fact that they don't understand, <laughs> you know, yeah. they just don't get it. And I mean, my husband lives in a house with, you know, five other women, uh, you know, at certain times of the, you know, oh, yeah. the, the month that gets a little crazy show. around yes. here. <laughs> All the periods. Yes, <laughs> absolutely. And he's yeah. like, I'm going to the garage. <laughs> <You know? laughs> exactly. And he's like, I just can't even right now. Yeah. And so I think a part of it is just not understanding. And let me just take care of what I know I can take care of mm -hmm. instead of really diving into all of these thoughts, emotions, et cetera, that are happening. Right. And so as a, as a couple, as a married couple, I think it's really important to have you know, this, you know, I look at a, at a family as a team and the parents are the team leaders and having that balance going back and forth. And I feel like this might be the same for sons too. I don't have a son, so I'm not sure, but yeah. you do. So yeah. correct me if I'm wrong, but, you know, uh, referencing your husband to talk about something to your son and your husband reference you in order to talk about something, uh, with your daughter. So really just having this, okay, we're the team leaders. Let's have a, you know, a huddle, so to speak, and talk about how I can approach this best. Be What does my daughter need out of me right now? Like having the husband be able to ask that question, what does she need out of me right now? And how can I best serve her? Yeah. I think is a really powerful question that then also helps with uh, marriage dynamics as well. Yeah. Oh, I love that. And it really supports each other um, in that space. Yeah. So I appreciate that too. And I do appreciate that sometimes even 
what you said just before, I have been holding on to that too. When my husband appreciates something about, um, say Hannah, my oldest that I mentioned earlier, um, because she has the more heart type orientation of a little bit higher and lower, um, uh, emoting than others. And so when her and I get caught in the thick of it, we have the exact same tri-type, um, top three for, for you maybe hearing that word, but it's, um, I guess it's nice for me to have Wes to kind of not mm -hmm. side with her, but give her a chance so that I don't inadvertently shame her. I'm like, okay, you know what? There's a person here who has more grace for you right now. We're lost in the weeds. So I actually yep. also appreciate that too. 100%. Absolutely. Mm -hmm. And I think that's a beautiful dynamic of, of the family. It's like, okay, I need to actually step away right now because I am not calm and I need to get to a place that I can have some uh, peace and, and calm to enter this conversation. Can you take over here for a minute or can you go talk and also think or also remember going off and having a timeout per se or some time away before you engage can be a really helpful tool. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that we do and I teach is writing letters. And I have an entire box of hilarious, beautiful, sentimental letters that are written from my daughters to me, because if we are in the thick of it, something is happening. I just say, you know what, can you go upstairs right now? And can you write down, write me a letter mm -hmm. about what is going on and why you made the choice that you did? Yeah. So this then makes them separate from the situation. They have time to think writing is a slow process compared to the speed ah, of thought. That's true. And so as they are writing there, it is not unheard of that I will hear crumple, 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 you know, throw, crumple, 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 throw as they are going through revisions of this letter. Because when you put it on paper, it stares you back in the face. And it the the inevitable question is, is this actually true? Yeah. Right. Yeah. And so there's a lot of things that we can feel. I worked with um, a program with Brene Brown for a long time, love Brene's work. Yeah. And that is, you know, one of the questions that we asked ourselves very frequently is, is this actually true? Or is this just the story that you're making up in your head? And when our kids, especially with the underdeveloped frontal lobes are walking into school and someone gives them a sideways glance, they have an entire novel of a story behind that glance. Whereas they, that person might've actually been looking at the locker next to you or something, right. or they might be uncomfortable in a situation and they're trying to divert attention away. There's so there's, you know, millions of variations. There's only one truth. But our children don't know what that truth is, but they invent mm -hmm. it. And we do it the same as adults. So anyway, writing something down really uh, uh, begs the question, is this actually true? It makes mm -hmm. them slow down. It makes them process their thoughts. And then they can come down and you can have a calm conversation. So you would recommend for them. And also, would you recommend for parents dealing with the stressors to also write down and journal? Absolutely. I think uh, a passing journal is something that, you, you know, in uh, what we were just talking about, you can have your own journal. Of course, I literally, I have five journals right here on my desk. Yeah. I, I journal a lot um, for many of the reasons that I just mentioned, but a passing journal can be oh, really oh, powerful as well. I love that you mentioned this to us that you guys have this because yeah. I've never heard of that. That's so cool. 
Yeah. So you can just have a question and you can write down your answers and then just pass it on to your child. It can be between mom, dad, and child. It could be between the whole family or just two of you, whatever that it could be between uh, married couples as well. Right. Mm -hmm. And so, but a passing journal is just, I, I don't know exactly how to say this in words because the words don't always come out right, but I know I can write it down. Right. And so then they get clarity and understanding better than if I'm trying to formulate clear sentences in a conversation, especially one with an emotional, you know, base to it right now. Mm, Thank you. That's great. And it's a great reminder for, um, like you said, it's another way to involve dads too, who may be like, I want to be part of this, um, which is so important. And I'm always trying to help Wes not to give up on my second one, who's a nine um, and he's a one. And so they clash a lot. um, Mm -hmm. And she's so brilliant that she's surpassed us on a lot of the college tests and things and we're like she's smarter than us like <laughs> so, well, good like, job <laughs> like um Krista can you just like take one for the team and like help her and and because I really am tenacious for their love too I'm like yes but let's keep working at this like you yeah. and her have such amazing gifts that are so similar because they're both these body types, instinct types, um, and they both love Christ so much. So I see mm. that and I see that they have fun together. I'm like, oh, that's a good space for you because I'm more intellectual and you guys like to like, I like adventures and funs like at fun as a seven, but like they really like dude perfect or um, yep. oh, that's <laughs> amazing and all these funny shows. And so there's different pieces I think we can find with each child. And that's, I think where Enneagram can come in, but I just wanted to yeah. say that to everybody who's discouraged. I get it. If you're discouraged as a dad or um, with your husband, but I feel like don't give up on also being part of the journey. Um, yeah. So I love your journaling and involving dad too. Well, and one of the things, and it just reminded me what you said. So something I highly recommend is one-on-one time with your kids, um, each mm-hmm. one of them one-on-one. And so we have weekly one-on-one time here in our home Tuesday, or, sorry, Monday and Thursday nights, Monday, we do two of them Thursday, we do two of them. And so mm-hmm. I go into one, you know, one's room, he goes into the other oh. and then the next week we switch. So our kids know every week they have about a 40, you know, 30 to 45 minute time with mom or dad completely alone. Oh my gosh. That's good. And it, what do you do in those times? If the there's friction, do you just do what you said? Like just listen and use these. Yeah, absolutely. So we've been doing this for years and some of those nights are we have to have a hard conversation, right? Maybe we had uh, some friction earlier in the day and now it's our one-on-one time and we were just like, okay, we're going to do this, you know? Uh, And um, so sometimes it's hard and sometimes it's painful even, right? Or sometimes mm -hmm. you, I I was working with uh, a mom um, last year, I believe that she had never done one-on-one time with her child before her child was eight And she was like, but we have family time around the dinner table. We have family time every night. And I was explaining, yes, that is amazing. But there's something different when it's just one-on-one, especially when it's one-on-one in their space of their room, because then you're invited in to their, not just their private physical space, but their private mental space as well. And so 
she learned that her child was being bullied at school and was really having a hard time. And and he completely broke down and it had been, it had been happening for over a year. She had no idea. Mm -hmm. And in their first one-on-one time, it came out. Mm -hmm. And so that's something that's really important. But, uh, so I recommend weekly one-on-one time, but beyond that, Uh, I recommend going on a trip. It doesn't have to be something crazy or anything, but in our home, every child goes on a trip with dad, a one-on-one trip with dad and a one-on-one trip with mom. So my 18 year old is the only one that's been on both trips so far. And to your point, uh, my husband and her, they went to New York city. They did all the things and all of the hustle and bustle and things. And her and I went to a, medita- a meditation retreat center and oh. we did, you know, our thing because, uh, you know, yeah. even though we're all a family, yeah. he has different uh, gifts and talents and relationship yeah. with her and ways to connect with her. And yeah. I have different ways that I connect oh, with her. So good. Oh my gosh. And you're really affirming that kids can't do this guys. We have to be the ones to help them with the inner scripts when they're feeling like I don't connect. Um, because they're probably going to feel that way sometimes, but when we can kind of network with them, oh, but you and dad or you and mom can do this together. Um, that's fighting for your family to have connections and all the support that you reminded us that like, if they don't get it from us, they're going to get it from somewhere else. Um, and it's just so good because Melody keeps telling me, she's like, I bought the whole family Nile horn tickets. <laughs> and she's like, dad acts like he doesn't want to go. And I'm like, no, he's going, he's going to be our bodyguard. <laughs> he's in the safety triad. <laughs> And I'm just like, oh gosh, like we've got to figure that out because, you know, there's all these little discrepancies. Um, But when we can come back to the fun places, like we had an an amazing time in New York City, including dad. um, And that was her favorite trip we ever took. And so this summer he wants to go New York hiking and she's like, let's do two days in New York City. And he said yes, because he heard her. Um, He's probably thinking, I don't want to spend that kind of time and money in a (laughs) place that I don't want to go but reaching out meeting them but also like showing up as the advocate if that's not the parent who's close I love it I love your one-on-one times lastly I wanted to ask you what about the bible study piece um you heard me say I try to do a low-key bible study each Monday I I have set my kids up for their own studies daily I try to encourage not not push but sometimes kids still don't want that. We can't force a spiritual life. What have you learned about this from your own, uh, just walking this through with so many? Yeah. So, uh, I recommend one-on-one time, quiet time, uh, with the Lord every day. And we have journals that are age appropriate for them. Mm -hmm. And so, and again, it's not forced. It's, Hey, have you been, you know, keeping up with your journal? Is it, is it helpful? Right. So for my 14 year old right now, for example, her journal is just essentially a gratitude practice going down Mm -hmm. five things she's grateful for every day. Right. And then for my 16 year olds, it's, you know, they're different. Um, and I just feel them out. Okay. This would be great for you. This would be great for you. And that takes intentionally getting to know each child for themselves. Right. Mm -hmm. And that's a whole other talk, but, um, but it has, you know, a scripture verse. It has, you know, what are you grateful for? What are you struggling with? What are some questions that you have? Right. And then for my 18 year old, it's even, uh, it's even more. So that's the individual piece. Mm -hmm. And what we do as a family is each night we get together at each, it's each 
um, weeknight, we get together. And if it happens that we're Wednesdays, we all serve, for example. So Wednesdays, we don't do it. So it's not pushed. It's not this, oh my goodness, we have to do this. It's not a stressful thing, right? It's a gift. And we, we sit around and we go through, um, I have an uh, ebook that was released at the end of last year called 40 scripts and conversations to have when raising daughters. Mm-hmm. And it has been so beautiful mm-hmm. and enlightening and to go through and we, it's a scripture, it's an explanation of the scripture, and then it's a conversation platform. And we just talk about it. And even though these are my daughters, I've been raising them for the last, you know, 18, 19 years, even though I'm the writer of this book, I have gleaned so much Mm -hmm. wisdom and knowledge, connection and communication from my daughters and us all, all of us together. And I will say my oldest daughter, she does not live at home during the school year because she's at college. And so when she was home over break, we did this all together. But when she went away, then we have a discussion as the five of us that are remaining at the homestead right now. And um, then we send, uh, we have a group texting chat and we send her the picture of the page of the book Mm -hmm. and we have our discussion points that we put in there. And then she reads it and adds her discussion points. And so we still do it as a family of six. I love that. I love that she's really invested in her family time. She sees how it blesses her. And I love that you don't force her or the others when they're not up for it. If when it doesn't fit the schedule on the Wednesday night, you're allowing it to be what it is to you're allowing life to have its natural ebbs and flows, but this is your practice and you've made this beautiful book. And that leads us to our final question about how people can connect with you because obviously you have so much and I've, you know, gotten to know you through your Instagram and uh, our conversations leading up to this briefly, but I'm saying just please give us the information about how to really get in touch with you because there's a lot more that I can tell that you have to share. Um, yeah, absolutely. I have uh, my website, nellyharden.com. I want to make it super easy. There's resources, there's downloads, there's masterclasses, there are books, um, there's programs called Take the Lead. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, everything, all the communities, all the social communities you can find on there as well. Mm-hmm. Um, so yes, everything can be found on the website because the world's complicated enough. So let's just have one place. <laughs> oh, yay. I'm so glad. And everyone should know because my last name is Harden also. Hers is with an E. So. Yes. Yes. <laughs> so, awesome. I'll put that in the show notes for you. And okay. thank you so much for your encouragement and all the ideas you have really changed our lives on this episode. And I'm just so grateful. Thank you, Nellie. Oh, thank you so much for having me. Mm-hmm. Thank you so much for joining for this very special time. I'm so grateful. And I get some girl time with my girls this week. My my guys are going away to uh, visit friends in Arizona that are dear friends of ours. And I get to uh, just enjoy these precious little moments. Of course, the girls will be busy and so will I. But we're going to sneak in some This Is Us. We're going to sneak in. Um, Jack was like, are you guys out of your Gilmore Girls era? And I was like, kind of. And then Melody was like, grr. And I'm like, not fully, though. <laughs> So we'll come back to that a little bit too. Um, in between our 
fitness and our balancing and our emotional conversations, you know we will be having those too and trying out all the things from Nelly. So I hope you guys have a great week. Check out the show notes if you want to hang with me in our class too. All right, talk to you soon. Bye-bye. Thank you again for listening with us. It was so wonderful to have you. I love knowing we're doing this journey together, not perfectly, but with love, grace, and hopefully some fun too. If you love today's episode, make sure you leave us a five-star review at Apple Podcast or Spotify so others can find it too. Visit our show notes so you can get all the links from today's show, as well as EnneagramInMarriage.com, the Instagram, the Facebook, and all over the place. Make sure you spread the word. Love living intentionally with you. Bye-bye.